Good evening, everyone. It's Thursday, Necro Thursday, and it's time for the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. I'm here this week with Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Doing okay. Um, you might notice that my voice is just a little hoarse right now. I did notice. Yeah, so that means uh, I've been practicing uh, the set with tombs. And uh, oh. yeah, so I've been singing a lot, grinding out in the practice space. We got this uh, date down in uh, Baltimore. It's uh, part of the Hell in the Harbor Festival uh, at, the okay. end, at the end of May. And uh, yeah, we're playing like the small stage there. It's uh, the 27th of May. We're headlining. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what hour that's going to be, but hopefully we're not playing the same time Cannibal Corpse is playing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that could be a problem, but yeah. You know, if you guys yeah. are in the area, definitely uh, come on down. So what's going on, man? That's awesome. I'd like to point out I'm still currently not doing anything uh, music-related. <laughs> uh, um, not, much, not much is going on. Um, uh, I'm back in Texas, took a little road trip, uh, watched a few movies uh, uh, on my trip. You check out anything, Mike? You know what? I haven't really had the opportunity to watch a whole lot uh, the last week or so. Just... Um, you know, my dad was uh, in the hospital. He's out now. And uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling back and forth between uh, New York and New Jersey and uh, spending time with the family and, uh, you know, just catching up on stuff. So I've been reading uh, Adam Neville's No One Gets Out Alive, which they made a film out of on Netflix. And uh, But I'm reading the book now. And uh, that's one of the few Neville books that I haven't read. And uh, so far, it's awesome. Mm. Do, you, do you know anything about the movie? Like a good word of mouth or anything? Um, I don't know much about it. I know that people online seem to like it, but maybe I'll watch it after I'm done with the book for sure. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good way to go. Yeah. I just watched something on uh, Amazon Prime that uh, my girlfriend told me about, but she had watched it while I was gone. She said, you should check it out. Um, it's called Horror in the High Desert. You heard yeah. about this? You know, that sounds familiar. I'm not exactly sure if I've seen it, though. I don't think you have. I don't think anyone has. Like, uh, she told me about it, and I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, and there there's no reviews for it as far as uh, critic reviews. There were some user reviews. So I think this is like a super, super low-budget found footage slash uh, kind of like in the style of Lake Mungo and a mockumentary kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm quite fond of uh, Lake Mungo, so maybe I'll check this out if it's similar to that. Yeah, it's... It's worth it. It wasn't great, but it wasn't. It's worth a watch. Um, like Lake Mungo, like you really got to pull off the performances or have believable performances to to really suck you into something like that. And if you don't have that, like that that style of filmmaking just fails. And I gotta say this, like it, it felt real. Like I like I turned to her at one point. I was like, this, this is a fake documentary, right? So it's got that going for oh, it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's it's worth a watch if, if you have nothing better to do. Um, you know, check it out. And uh, also, I saw Cocaine Bear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I know it's supposed to be fun and not take it too seriously, but uh, eh, I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I don't have any interest in seeing that. And there's all these copycat films that are coming out, like Meth alligator math alligator. yeah i don't know it's just like it's just not my kind of thing man you know it's not my cup of tea yeah no i get you it, it kind of like you know when snakes on a plane came out like it wasn't in on the joke 
that it became, you know, an internet meme and all that stuff. And then they went back and shot more footage uh, to, to kind of look, we're in on the joke. Uh, this is what that whole movie felt like. Like, we know this is stupid and whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, horror comedy is tough to, to pull off. And this just, just, just did not pull it off for me. Yeah, it's a real slippery slope with that, man. I mean, last week, me and Mike did uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which is technically, I guess it is a horror comedy, though when I first saw that when I was a kid, it wasn't funny to me. And I guess even right. now when I look back on it, it's humor, but the humor, it's just like super dark. And and uh, I don't really, I mean, yeah, sure, it's a, there's some comedic things, but there's this dark like undertone throughout the whole film, which is just very uh, unsettling, you know? I gotta rewatch that, and I gotta listen to that episode too. It's funny. I was listening to your raw meat episode in the uh, hotel room, and I fell asleep, and I woke up to the sound of my own voice because my uh, <laughs> my phone immediately went to the next part, and I wake up and I'm hearing myself talking. It was like having an out of body experience. A um, couple other things. Uh, I watched a movie called Repo Men from by 2011 or 12. You ever heard of this with Jude well, Law? I know uh, Repo Man, yeah. right? but I don't know Repo Men. What's yes, that all about? Repo Men. It's with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. Uh, kind of a, a, a wacky um, premise. Uh, movie owes a lot to movies like Brazil, 12 Monkeys, Old Boy. It's, it's kind of derivative, but uh, i got to say I kind of enjoyed it. Um, basically, Jude Law and uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker play repossession men except they repossess uh organs from people huh. therefore killing them when they take their uh, property back that's kind of cool uh, all right yeah i think it has comic book origins uh at least it certainly felt that way um it got some pretty bad reviews and kind of came and went without much fanfare but uh i don't know it was okay again worth worth a watch and strange how it's one of those things where I was watching it and I was like, I might have seen this before, but don't quite remember it. Where, where did you watch it? Was it streaming anywhere? Where did you check it out? Uh, my my friend had it on, on Blu-ray. He's got this insane uh, Blu-ray collection and they're just looking for something to watch. And he's like, have you seen this? I said, I don't know. Um, so yeah, we just, so we watched it. Uh, I'm sure it's available to rent uh, on, you know, Amazon for like a dollar or two probably one of those uh one of those things yeah i i got uh what arrived yesterday was the terror in the aisles blu-ray which i just oh ordered, wow but i have not had a chance to to review it lately so um i'll probably check that out over the weekend let's imagine something i'll put on and while i'm doing other things oh. and get back into that that was uh i remember that uh vhs cover very well yeah from when i was a, a child that that one scared the shit out of me yeah, totally, man. It's uh, it's something I saw a long time ago. Uh, I remember maybe a year ago trying to find it on VHS or not VHS on Blu-ray or even DVD, and it was out of print. But now I, I found it pretty easily, so so it's around. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let me know if it if it holds up at all. Yeah. I I haven't seen that in forever. So before we get going, I just want to uh, shout everyone out. Of course, on Monday we have Horror Wolf six 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 with our boy Brandon Legion. And Jeff, you were recently on the show, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was. That, that, that's out now. Yes, yeah. go and listen to that. Yep. Tuesday, the premiere 
extreme metal podcast. And of course, that's none other than Into the Necrosphere, brought to you by Jackie Smith. And like, I, I keep saying this every week, but it's like, it's true. I listen to really this one when it comes to metal. Like, I don't, there's like the Heavy Hole podcast, which I listen to every now and then by Big Will. And uh, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a solid one. But uh, Jackie's just like really the top of the food chain when it comes to extreme metal uh, related podcast so you know that that's really all all i listen to i get a lot of great info on bands find out about new stuff that kind of thing wednesday is everything went black which is what i've been doing what seems like you know i'm doing this podcast for like i don't know like (laughs) my whole life maybe i don't know pretty much and um that's still there (laughs) it still comes out every (laughs) wednesday and uh you can check it out and uh it might not be everyone's cup of tea but there's always stuff on there that maybe you might find interesting uh, there's also a Patreon, which has a lot of other uh, exclusive content on there. Thursday is Necro Thursday, and you're listening to the Necromaniacs podcast, which comes out on Necro Thursday. Friday, we have Break the Apocalypse, which is uh, Skindado's brother, John Draper, does that show. And it's uh, focused on current events, um, you know, that, that sort of thing, with a lot of humor. And I know John personally. He's a great guy. Uh, lives upstate New York now, so I don't see him that often. But I look forward to seeing him at some point in the next year. Uh, really, really cool guy. Uh, him and Mike used to own uh, the Brooklyn Monster Factory comic book shop, the late great Brooklyn Monster Factory in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, that's you know that's how I really got in with those guys. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good show to check out on Friday. On Sunday we have Soul Knox with our buddy Carl Hikara. And um, if you're into darkness and the esoteric <laughs> and weird fiction, check out his show. Carl and I are starting, we just started a collaboration of a deep dive into the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a fairly obscure horror and weird fiction writer, dark fantasy writer. And um, we're alternating episodes. The first episode's out on Solnox. And uh, the next one's coming out on Everything Went Black. So we're, we're shifting back and forth, covering a short story by, uh, by Wagner. And uh, the subject of the first group of stories we're doing is the recently republished In a Lonely Place, which um, excellent collection. You know, and, that's, and that's our crew, man. That's our, that's our podcasting family, the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now we're going to talk about the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, before we do that, I just want to remind everybody that we have a, a voicemail number if you want to call in. We have a call-in number, and that's uh, 908-913-0783. 908-913-0783. And we've been getting uh, – it's starting to pick up, Jeff. we got some, some calls. Yeah, yeah so, uh, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, so um, a couple guys called in this week, and we just want to talk about their uh, their stuff real quickly. And uh, so I'd like to thank the callers for this week. We have uh, Braden from Vancouver. He uh, you know enjoys the show, which we appreciate that. And he recommended the UK TV series Threads or TV movie Threads. Have you seen that? I've heard of it. I don't. Think, it's from the eighties, right? Yeah, it's old. Yeah, it's from the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it was on a documentary I watched about found footage. I think that's that's how uh, I, I heard of it. It's, it's apparently very uh, grim and depressing. So 
Sounds right up our alley. I have not seen it, Braden. And most of my life, I've been scared to see that, to be honest with you. It looks like something that's like very intense, very heavy, but it's something that's been on my list for to check out, and I think it would be a perfect candidate for this show. So let's put that on the list, man, for sure. Um, yeah. He also mentioned Green Room, which Mike and I covered a few years ago. So if you want to go back in the, in the stream, uh, you, you'll find it. Like from a few years ago, the year that movie came out, Mike and I covered it. So that that's already there. It's out there if you want to check it out. And uh, yeah, oh, he also had a follow-up question. With our years of touring, have we ever run into anything like what was presented in Green Room? Jeff, <laughs> comments. I'm trying to think. No. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, like, I mean, I remember talking about how kind of far-fetched that movie was. But, you know, like, when you're just starting out and you're kind of doing the very DIY circuit, especially in like the, the late eighties or early nineties, something like that seemed entirely possible, mm -hmm. you know, or you, you was pre-internet, like, yeah, you didn't, you know, you're just, you're just booking a tour. It's like, Oh, this, but we need to be here. We need to show on this date. Um, I, I, I can totally see something like that happening, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, maybe not now. And I've certainly, never had an experience where we were like, oh, we're in a neo-Nazi club. Because um, by the time ISIS was a band, uh, Nazis in the whole underground music scene were uh, pretty much gone. Um, I don't know if that was your experience, though. So. Uh, I have, um, for the most part, yes. However, some sketchy people have shown up to see our band play. and um, Oh, yeah, oh, for sure. And the uh, one particular show in... Um, in Pittsburgh, I remember this uh, group of like really intense looking guys showed up and they had the uh, shirts on that were um, part of a uh, white supremacist uh, record label. <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting. You know, it's kind of weird. They all had like Nazi tattoos and stuff. And, um, oh my God. Yeah. So that, that was, that was definitely kind of strange. And, um, and then, well, actually, I'm not even going to mention this because that, that's I'm going to say something and it's going to reflect back, and people are going to get the wrong idea about stuff. So I'm not going to go into that part of it. But uh, okay. so anyway, yeah, that was that was that was the only uh, the only time anything like that's ever happened. But I agree with Jeff that maybe back in the day in the early '90s, you know, even throughout most of the '90s, something like that could have very well happened to a lot of people. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, remember? I don't know if you remember, but there was like a. Um... A, a, a zine called book your own fucking life oh of course um, uh, I've yeah used, you remember used that okay. i've used it back in the early 90s yeah totally oh yeah yeah and like you could totally like see like you know just you know a, a club like that putting an ad in there like you know you know um i know I, I yeah that's something that was probably definitely possible but never had anything like that although my friend's band um had some people from Resistance Records come to their show <laughs> once back in back in 96, 96. Yeah, so again, the 90s. So, so it's not that far uh, removed from reality. Yeah, you know what, what's interesting, though, about that is um, I remember uh, back in 97, 98, when I was still living in Boston, we I went to go see um, Death in June play at, uh, mm. at Man Ray, the club in, in Boston and Cambridge there. Oh yeah, you know, I went there with uh, uh, a dude I played in a band with, and this guy Dave, who was one of my roommates at the time. And you remember Dave Lefty? Oh, I do. Yes. Yeah. So we all went to the show, 
And uh, there are dudes that you'd never seen anywhere before <laughs> showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, there was guys that clearly were, um, they had the whole get up with the boots and braces and, uh, you know, the flight jackets and everything. And, and there was like some Sikh hailing going on and Nazi salutes and all that sort of mm. stuff at the show. So, I mean, it's, it was out there for sure, man. Like that's, you know, that's like a, a thing that happened. I, I don't even know anymore these days, like if that's something that happens, I mean, you know, like straight up, like white supremacists, right. you know, I mean, they're, they're in our government. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, probably, yeah, exactly. yeah. it's mainstream. They, now. <laughs> they wear suits now. They wear suits. And, uh, to the, boots yeah yeah um i remember you telling me about that death in june that that story like like fucking 20 years ago at this yeah. point <laughs> you, you like yeah um well death in june certainly courted that uh that controversy with their imagery and things like that so uh i i, I could see how people can get the wrong idea that they were a nazi band actually it was death in june and non which was uh the boy. oh yeah <laughs> so boyd rice yeah, was involved okay. too yeah well, there you go. So that times two, basically. Yeah. Also, thanks to Mike from Telford, PA. Once again, sh uh, coming through. Thank you for the call. And uh, Mike mentioned uh, Midnight Video, which is uh, something that someone else mentioned to me in, in um, I forgot what town that was in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, so that's cool. Um, and also, he credits us for preventing him from assaulting his coworkers, which oh. uh, that's always good. Man. I'm glad we can touch people that way and, and help them, you know? Yeah, me too. I usually drive people to violence, so to hear that I help stop it, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Reed from Virginia for checking in with us, and uh, Reed's a sound engineer, and he's an Everything Went Black listener, and he jumped on the Necro during the pandemic, mm. and uh, he so he got it got you know got it became a listener around the time you joined the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. So so yeah, man. Keep the voicemails coming. Once again. Uh, 908-913-0782 and uh, definitely hit us up with uh, some recommendations and uh, you know things that you'd like to hear us cover on the show and we reserve the right to veto all requests however um, but you know it's always good to, to know what people are thinking and um, oh actually one of the things Reed mentioned was he wanted to know if any of us had seen Knock at the Cabin <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we go tonight's the right you know he called it exactly the right time and uh tonight's that that's the episode that we're going to be doing brand new movie that came out in february this past february and uh based on the novel cabin at the end of the world by uh Pro paul tremblay who is a mm. very very accomplished prolific horror writer have you read the book yeah I have not read the book. I will say that the title for the book is much better than the title for the movie. 150%. I remember, um, I'm trying to remember what film it was, but it was one of my Friday night forays out into the AMC movie theater near my house here. And uh, I remember watching all these previews and this trailer came up for this film. And I was like, oh, cool. Cabin at the end of the, at the end of the, cabin at the end of the world. Someone made a film mm -hmm. out of it. No mention of Paul Tremblay and the wrong, completely lame title that they came up with for this movie. Knock at the cabin. Yeah. Not, what the fuck like a, does that even mean, knock at the cabin? Yeah, it really like kind of sounds like a studio decision. And I know maybe 
by uh, coincidence or I'm just stupid. I keep calling this thing cabin in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I just let you, I'm going to say that throughout this podcast. I'm going to call this thing cabin in the woods. I, I keep my brain keeps going there, but yeah, kind of a generic, like horror title, you know, uh, cabin at the end of the world. is just so much like, I don't know. It, it's just more ambiguous. I, I, I like that title a lot better, but knock at the cabin. Like that, that makes like grammatically that doesn't have any, make any sense to me. Knock at the no. cabin. Yeah. I would say knock on the door maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe to uh, avoid confusing it with cabin in the woods. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Even though I, I, I have been doing that since I saw this movie, yeah. confusing the two. So they really accomplished nothing by changing the, the title of the film. And it clearly, you know, is. And also what's up with not having Paul Tremblay's name? Like, in, in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he's not exactly Stephen King, you know, he's not like a name that would, uh, I guess, sell a movie like Stephen King's could, uh, nothing against him. He's, he's great, but I, I just don't think he's reached that level yet where he's like a, a name that's going to sell. Right. Yeah. But you know, I feel like Tremblay is like enough people know him and enough people like this book. And, um, like he's definitely obviously he's not the same stature as, as Stephen King, but I think that he he's got a very well known fan base. He's a you know always putting books out, and I, don't know, I just thought I thought that was easy an easy way to maybe get a little bit more recognition for the film. But you know whatever, it seems to be doing fine. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. yeah, I throw something in there like you know based on the novel, you know from the novel by Paul Tremblay, yeah, something like that. I, I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, let's obviously this uh, film was uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who has uh, mm-hmm. kind of a dubious catalog, in my opinion. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. It's 100 long-ass minutes. <laughs> this film. Yes. It's a long movie. And I know the trend is for films uh, of this sort to be going more on the long-form side of things. But those 100 minutes were fucking long, man. Felt like two hours. Yeah. Oh, and I saw this in the movie theater too. By the way. Oh, okay. No, I, I watched it at home. Yeah, I was uh, I was in uh, Groton, Connecticut, for a week for my job, and I decided that that was like a novel thing to do while I was up there instead of sitting in the hotel room by myself all night. So I went to go check this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The cast. Actually, I thought this was like a very well acted film. Okay, that's just, you know, I thought this was uh, the cast did a great job on this. So we got the great Dave. We got the great Dave Batista as Leonard. And um, I feel like Dave, kind of the high point of the movie, man, in a lot of ways. I um, I think he's for a guy who is a, a, you know, an athlete, performer, pro wrestler type dude. I think that he's come an incredibly long way with his acting abilities. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I started really giving him credit around uh, when he was in Blade Runner uh, 2049. I was like, mm-hmm. this, this dude's like really acting. Like he's like showing subtlety and emotion and all that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Likewise, in this film, I think, you know, he, he did a great job. Uh, I'll have some thoughts about that when, when we finish the cast. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonathan Groff as Eric. Uh, ben Aldridge as Andrew. Nikki Amuka Bird as Sabrina, Rupert Grint as Redmond, 
Now, Rupert is also in uh, a great um, Apple Plus show called Servant. Oh, also in that Shyamalan, I believe. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I think he has something to do with that huh. show. He's a producer or something. Okay. Abby Quinn yeah. is Adrian. Kristen Chewy as Ren, as Wen, rather. Wen, sorry. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> of course, M. M. Night Shyamalan appears as an infomercial, infomercial host in this as well. So he can't keep himself out of his own movies. So. No, he really can't. Um, he, I, I think he's still trying to, like, convince himself that he's Alfred Hitchcock. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, you mentioned Dave Batista, and uh, I said it on this podcast, basically what you were saying, I think when we covered Army of the Dead, we were like, yeah. all the wrestlers that have become actors, Dave Batista shows the most promise. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like the first time I thought he might have been miscast, or like, that maybe his shtick was, maybe it's the movie itself, but his shtick of like the the gentle giant thing was kind of just getting on my nerves you know like yeah. you know the movie opens at go you like grasshoppers i like grasshoppers too you, you know it's like the all g shucks thing he's always doing um but me the wrong way in, in this movie a little bit and that's not to say that i thought he was bad um he still shows a lot of range a lot of emotion i just thought i don't know maybe going a different way with the casting of, of leonard would have uh lent some menace to it or some more ambiguity, like maybe someone smaller and not covered in tattoos. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, but this was, yeah, this was the first time I thought, no, I don't think he's right for this. But you disagree, I, I take it. Um, I mean, I don't, well, there, there's two two points here. One, Number one, just his act, I think number one, his acting ability was great. I thought that mm. he's in, there's like long shots of him like emoting basically yeah you know and with using his face and you know this this dialogue like there's long moments of him in the film where it's like man this dude is like really fucking acting when i read the book i didn't visualize like a that type of character in the book so to me i was like all right this is like some license they're taking here which is you know not necessarily a bad thing but different sure and uh yeah, I, I kind of I, I I agree with you on that point, and uh, that's something I definitely wanted to talk about too. Is that I don't think that, I mean, if you hadn't read the book, this is the only Leonard that you know, I guess. But um, he just doesn't. I don't. Well, then again, actually, you know what? I have a really really close friend of mine who is now in education administration, but he used to be a teacher, and um, he's covered in tattoos, and he's kind of a rough guy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean the Steve from Neurosis is a uh, school teacher. He teaches uh, elementary school kids, or did. I don't know if he still does. Yeah, so th- there's uh, guys like that out there, but maybe not a, a you know a gigantic guy like him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, um, I just uh, yeah, like I said, the first time I thought, yeah, no, this this doesn't quite work. But I agree with you. The acting ability is there. I, everything else I've seen him in, he's been. He, he's been great. He was a bright spot in, in Army of the Dead for sure. Um, I mean, that wasn't very good, but that certainly wasn't his fault. Um, but maybe it's the movie itself. Yeah. That, like when it's all said and done and you think back, you're like, I mean, that just just wasn't a whole lot there. And you read the book, so I'm kind of curious uh, of like how you would compare this to the, to the book. 
Well, just to be straight up about it, it's definitely not my favorite of Tremblay's material that's out there, this this uh, particular book that he wrote. Um, and, and just some of the, just like the premise of it, I thought was like a little um, underdeveloped in some ways. Mm, yeah. And uh, and that's likewise for the film. You know, I think that I, I didn't buy the mechanics of the storytelling so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I kept waiting for it to kick into gear for something to happen. And it just never does. I mean, for a movie about the apocalypse, it uh, it's just very slight and not insightful at all. You know, and and the the sort of uh, biblical mythology element, you know, the Christianity element. Um, it's funny that I I kind of wish that they had gone more into that, uh, similar to uh, this movie I just saw called The Rapture. Mm, I haven't seen that. It's an old movie from the '90s. Uh, David Duchovny's in it. And uh, oh wait, maybe I did see that. Yeah, and this other lady. Uh, who I remember being like one of the <laughs> not not to come off like a you know like a creep or anything, but like I remember being in the '90s, like she was like an older actress that I thought was like really really sexy, man. But I can't remember her name. And she, or, um, <laughs> Mimi Tail, Mimi Mimi Rogers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she's yeah, I she. Her. I remember being like in my early 20s and just being like, oh my god, like this is like, you know. Anyway, but that that uh. <laughs> That movie ha- is such an offbeat film, and uh, it has to do with like the apocalypse and the rapture, and and you know who, people getting saved and all that sort of stuff. And like, I think, um, I mean, that, that's a kind of the story. I feel like if you're going to talk about the end of the world and God, that uh, that sort of thing should have been introduced more into the storyline. You know, and that that's just like a my commentary on just the, the base story itself, like the the you know, the source material, you know, and the movie carried on with that stuff. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. I just wanted to hear more about it. Like more, like why, like why them, why were they chosen? Was it, you know, random, random, I don't know. It's just like that. I just felt like I wanted more exposition, I guess, you know? Yeah. And done in a clever way as well. But like, um, yeah, I agree with you. This is very interesting. stuff. like, okay, why is this happening? Why now? And why these families this family and why these people that to me would be interesting. And that is just completely uh, overlooked in this. And uh, there are some flashbacks in this movie, not a lot, but I really feel like every flashback scene could have been cut because it was completely unnecessary. I mean, it even flashes back to them getting to the cabin because the movie starts with uh, Dave Batista and, and Ren having a conversation about grasshoppers and, and then they kind of give you a little backstory throughout the movie. And I just, I, I don't know. I thought, well, you know, like maybe a few minutes at the beginning to show them, you know, driving to the cabin, setting that up, maybe they're having a conversation that will give you some background on these characters, but the flashbacks they dole out throughout the movie, like add absolutely nothing. And you could have cut 10 minutes out of this, this, this movie. And I think it would have flowed better. would have had a better, maybe more of like a, uh, theater or a play type of tone to it yeah that's how i envisioned it proceeding more like when i read the book 
because it all is pretty much within the cabin, you know, so it has like very much that play like kind of vibe to it. And I would like to have seen the movie done that way. I mean, I didn't I didn't like the movie The Whale, but you know how that that was based on a play and it seems like a play. And I was kind of hoping that's what Shyamalan would have did with this film, like have it more just like this really tense drama of people in a room, you know? Totally. Yeah. And it takes you out of the room. And I mean, you said like a tense thing. I, I, I found this movie went, was had no tension at all. No suspense, no, uh, no mystery to it uh, at all. It's just sort of things happening. And I mean, I, I was like, I, I watched this twice now. I think I, I dozed off twice during uh, both times trying, trying to watch this. Well, actually, before we get too deep in it, let's talk about what the basic premise of the film is that uh, there's a, a couple, um, Eric and Andrew, and their adopted uh, daughter, Wen, and they go on a vacation in the woods in this cabin. And then three strangers, uh, you know, Redmond, or four, uh, Leonard, Sabrina, Adrian, Adrienne, and Redmond show up with these uh, homemade weapons, <laughs> which they look kind of goofy to be actually the weapons themselves. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I had a point to that too. Like, I totally agree. So the whole premise is that all of this apocalyptic stuff is happening. Um, you know, tidal waves, uh, you know, planes falling out of the sky, like that sort of fires. Like all this stuff is going on, and they claim that the uh, one of the three of them has to be sacrificed. They have to be murdered by one of one of them has to be given up as a sacrifice to some amorphous spirit out there in order to avoid the end of the world and they're each going to ask them to to do this task and if no one does it they ha they themselves have to sacrifice one of them one of the four has to die okay right and the sack that soul sacrifice at the end will save the world from a annihilation and apocalypse so i just um Cool premise. Yeah, kind of, but like, I I don't know. Like, there's there's a the the sacrifice of one of the four. Like, I I did that. I don't know. There, like, even when I read the book, I was like, ah, I don't know. This kind of doesn't really grab me. Like, I don't know. That yeah. to me, that just seemed like like uh, the idea of that just seemed a little half baked to me. Yeah, totally. Well, like we said why is this family chosen? Why does only one of them have to be sacrificed? And, well, you know, why did the, you know, the, uh, these four strangers have to like die? Like, you know, it's just a lot of whys and not really uh, any explanation uh, uh, towards that. I, I think there is a, there is one line in the movie that says, I can see your family was chosen because of your deep love for each other, I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what family doesn't that? I mean, okay, fine. There are families who get out there who hate each other, but I would say a majority of families uh, care about each other. And you you could just knock on any door and, and do this to anyone, but these people are specifically chosen. All these four, we should mention that these four um, horsemen um, – didn't know each other. They were all having separate visions and they, that brought them together. And those visions also brought them to this cabin. So and, this was not chosen at random. And there was also like this kind of um, chat group, inter internet 
you know, QAnon cult element to this too, where they, they, yeah. they can, that's how they communicated and interacted with each other was through some sort of like message board or like chat group or, you know, Fortran, 4chan kind of thing. Um, and yeah. that's, and so it, there, you know, that could, I would love that to have been explored more just that conspiracy theory, paranoia kind of thing. Like that was something that would have been welcome in this movie. You know, it wasn't really in the novel so much, but if you're going to take a license and make this into like some kind of like, you know, wacko, like QAnon religious cult thing, then do it, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, there's a little bit of it. Like, I think you're supposed to question whether or not these four people are legit or if they're completely crazy. But I feel like, uh, they show the movie shows its hand pretty early on that this is indeed real. Um, yeah. And that's kind I of, think, a, that's kind of a departure in the book too. Cause like in the book, pretty much right into the very end of the novel, you think it could go either way. Like you're not, you're, you can make arguments for both it being a, a complete fabrication or it actually happening. And, and right. that's, that's the, where the book really succeeds. I think. Yeah. I, I, the movie definitely needed that because, uh, I don't think there's any question maybe like you know, after the first uh, horseman like uh, is uh, is uh, when his life is taken uh, I think it kind of shows that oh wait this is this is real this is one trope the movie used and I think M Night Shyamalan uses it a lot the TV in the cabin is the exposition for and and their window into what's going on in the outside world which uh, which I don't know again I, I would have gotten rid of that it was just kind of like lazy and and again, drain the tension out of the movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, uh, yeah, and also like they're they're like showing sound footage of a tsunami. Where did they get that footage from? <laughs> I actually this I had the same exact thoughts. Where it's like okay, yeah, they ha it, like when when did this this guy's like running for his life yet he's filming this gigantic tidal wave like coming down. I, that was the last thing on my mind that would I would be thinking, or to live, yeah, exactly. live stream like my own death or something. You know, that'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, kind of goofy. But you know, Shyamalan has done that to, to better uh, success in a movie like Signs, where the first uh, shot of the alien is like, you know, a found footage shot. They're watching the news, and some kid took a, it was recording a birthday, and you see an alien run across the screen. That was one of the best moments in Signs, and you know, he, uh, I think maybe tries to recreate that a little here, and it's, it's much less successful, I think. Again, like um, maybe a hint of what might be going on outside. Like again, like maybe this isn't happening. Maybe it is, but almost off the bat, like you you know, okay, this is real. But the characters don't necessarily believe it. The characters kind of hold out doubt uh, a, a lot longer than the audience does, which which can be frustrating to, to to the viewer. Yeah, and and this is similar in the book too, where where a lot of it they notice that the timestamp on the stuff that's being shown on the news is like in the past. You know, like like oh. it's there's an offset. It's not live, and they comment on how well you know you guys could you looking at your watches and all this stuff is timed out. So this could all be orchestrated, you know. And that's like one of the things that they, you know, they have in the movie and the book, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that you know that wow. that was cool. I thought, but the main the really the thing that bothers me about this whole even just the whole plot in general for both the novel and the movie is like, all right. There's, you have a family structure. You got three people, okay? Mm -hmm. And these four strangers show up, 
And they're like, we're going to kill each one of us until you guys sacrifice one of yourselves and your family, right? I will never, ever, ever pick some random stranger over someone who's in my family ever. Right. I will watch you die in lieu of someone that I care about dying or having to kill someone that I care about to sacrifice someone for like, you know, something that may or may not even be happening. You know, that's, that's, that's the big flaw in this plot, in my opinion. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, they just waited it out and let them all die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I guess uh, narratively that's not as uh, exciting. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally get your point. Yeah. Um, which another like kind of mystery is to like, I guess maybe you're supposed to think throughout the whole movie that maybe this isn't real. Although I, I certainly didn't think that um, we're talking about a, uh, a gay couple with an adopted daughter and um, one of them thinks this is a targeted attack yeah. against them, which, uh, you know, that was kind of interesting. Uh, they, they, they realized that one of these, uh, uh, I think the guy that's supposed to be Malice, the uh, Harry Potter kid, the redhead. Yeah. Uh, from Medford, dude. Well, um, they picked they pick the right town. <laughs> if there's going to be some, like, drunk, drunk, like, you know, homophobic guy. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Fucking Medford. Um, yeah. He reckoned, like, one of the one of the, the dads recognizes him uh, and as the guy who beat him up in a bar 13 years earlier. And I thought, oh, that's something. That's interesting. These two kind of know each other. But then it just ends up being a red herring. Yeah. It goes nowhere. Yeah, and, and that really, the, the the key difference between the two men and the couple, one of them is definitely more angry, like more prone to violence, you know? And the yes. other one is like a little bit more nurturing and like, you know, willing to accept things, I guess. Yeah. Um Kind of an interesting dynamic. I felt like the the, the two, the couple, were a, a little kind of I, I, underwritten. But then again, so is so is everyone in the yeah. movie. Uh, even though I really like the the the, I, I know he's British. He was in yeah in the Harry Potter movies, and uh, he was a convincingly uh, he was a convincing you know fucking Massachusetts towner. He's not in the movie long, but for the time he's there, he's he's probably my favorite part. Yeah, I like that guy. He was in, he's in um I was like as I mentioned earlier, there's an Apple Plus uh show that actually Brandon from uh, Horror Wolf turned me on to this. It's called Servant. And okay. it, it's a Shyamalan I, I didn't know this actually until you said it, but apparently Shyamalan did this film and it's um it's kind of a weird tale actually. You know, it's it's a cool uh story um you know, it's it's got has to do with uh you know, beliefs as well. Um, it has to mm. do with like delusion and he plays a brother. He's like not, he's not uh, an antagonist in the film. He's more of like this kind of curmudgeon uh, you know, brother character in it. So he, he's, he does a great job though in that, in that series. Okay. We're checking out then. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, he's a bright spot here too. Um, I really like too that uh, there's hesitation on the. I keep calling them the four horsemen. I hope that's not a spoiler. I, I think you can figure that out just from watching the trailer for this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, although it seems to be like revealed in a way in the movie that you're supposed to be shocked. Although I mean, I don't know. Maybe again, maybe I was just ahead of the movie. Uh, where I was like, yeah, it's pretty obvious what they are. But anyway, 
I, I liked that they weren't, you know, um, so sure of themselves. I thought that was interesting. Like, they're all like, is this real? Like, they don't really know it's real until they're there and they're in it. And they're starting to believe more as it's happening. Um, I think Dave Bautista's character is pretty sure since he's clearly the leader. He's supposed to be uh, guidance. Um, but the other three are a little bit more hesitant. And uh, I liked the different personalities. Uh, I, I especially kind of thought the um, uh, the annoying white girl <laughs> I have written <laughs> down as. Um, she's uh, supposed to be nurture and, you know, like, I, that character too felt really authentic. I, I feel like, you know, I, I knew a lot of people like her, like she's kind of like, you know, she's nice. She's caring. She's kind of not really sure of what she's supposed to be doing in life. So she has her hands and a lot of things, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I, I feel like I knew her character almost immediately, you know, like, Oh, I like to feed people. And you know, uh, they, they were good characters, all of them. I just, uh, again, like, underwritten. Yeah, you know, and there, and like you, you said earlier, there was just no tension in the movie. No, you know, and like, none. It would be in real life. This would be an incredibly tense situation. Oh, absolutely, and you know, maybe it's just, uh, I don't, I don't know, but like, I, I never felt that that kid was in danger for a second. No. Uh, and from frame one, I was like, this kid's making it to the end. I guarantee that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in, you mentioned red herring, but in, for those of us who read the book, that's probably playing on our emotions. Cause you know, one of the differences and you know, once again, spoiler alert in the book, when gets killed accidentally, Oh really? Yeah. So that's that's like uh, what happens in the book, you know. And so the whole time you're like, oh my god, they're gonna kill this like cute little kid, you know. That that's in my, those are the thoughts I had when I watched the film for the first, you know, the first time I watched it in the theater. Oh wow, God, that would actually give me something to look forward to. I could not stand her <laughs> in this movie. I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't want to bag on a child actor. Not her, not her fault. Uh, but it's just very typical of like kids in movies to act like she's supposed to be eight years old. She acts well older than eight. Uh, she's precocious and, and like smart and, and, and in the other scenes, she's like bratty and annoying. Um, again, I'm not blaming the, uh, the actress. Um, no one's quite the thespian at that, at that age yet. Uh, I just found her character, uh, annoying <laughs> from yeah. like minute one. Yeah, and, I, and like I'm, the whole time I'm thinking like, well, I know who I'd sacrifice in this situation. <laughs> yeah, so she gets she gets killed by accident though in the book. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so that's a difference right there. And then, so the whole time I'm thinking she's going to get killed. I'm like, oh, you know, is it going to be an accident? Is someone going to decide they're going to sacrifice her? I mean, it just. But the fact that she lives created another situation with uh, the two fathers, right? Right. And uh, one of them is going to have to go or not, you know? And if they don't sacrifice one of them, what's going to happen with the world? So in the book, you don't really know what happens, actually. You don't know if it's if it's um, real or not. You know what I mean? 
Right. Oh, so it is ambiguous. The, the book in is the book. has a very ambiguous ending. In the movie, though, there's no ambiguity at all. Oh no, no, not not at all. Uh, the ending kind of drove me uh, crazy. Yeah. Um, there was a plague. There was a tsunami. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of planes fell out of sky. A lot of people died. The one of the fathers is dead, and at the end, they're like. Oh, gee, that's a, glad that's over with. Yeah. Boy, that was, <laughs> we know, sure had a day. <laughs> yeah, well, what a pickle that was. Let's, <laughs> let's get in the car and head on out of here, kiddo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, And then, yeah, Casey and the Sunshine Band is playing. I'm like, what in the fuck? This is such a colossally bad decision by uh, M. Night Shyamalan. You know, like, yeah. This is a perfect way, like, you know, okay, the, the book, you said it's not quite his best work, but the ideas are there. Now, just take what's good about that and and expand on it. And it seems like M. Night Shyamalan just, like, ex- like exercised his worst instincts in, in, in this movie. Like, that schmaltzy kind of cheesy Spielberg-y stuff he wanted, he did in his earlier career. Like, he brought that over. I kind of like that M. Night Shyamalan's been leaning into like, okay, I'm not the next Spielberg. I kind of make, you know, trash, but I make it well. (laughs) (laughs) What was that other one he did that I didn't see his last film, but I think you wanted to talk about it. Old? Oh, old. Yeah. Yeah, that that wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't, you know, stunning masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed watching it. it. it had a very classic sort of feel to it. And again, like um, no twist or anything like that. Um, I certainly liked it more than I liked this. And uh, I know he did a found footage movie before that, I think, called The the Visit. I didn't even see that one either. Um, you would think since I mentioned like some of his found footage stuff in Signs is uh, was one of the best scenes in the movie. So him doing like a more found footage thing should have been incredible uh it wasn't <laughs> i'll say that oh man yeah i mean what a strange career and that channel on his head huh like he really was like hollywood's guy for i think three movies just three back-to-back to back hits and then took a huge shit after that yeah i um like he's not one of my go-to directors you know what i mean and uh no yeah i mean i some of the stuff I like just fine, you know. Mostly, um, it's not. It's not like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go see a film by him because he did it, you know. Yeah, no, certainly not. No, um, but be curious about it. But uh, and he seems to have gotten somewhat back on track. I know he had a string of really, really bad movies uh, for a while. He did the the Last Airbender thing, and then he had that Lady in the Water, which I don't think I saw. He did that. I don't know if you ever saw the happening with Mark Wahlberg, but that is. Just, I missed that one. <laughs> it's in a. It's it's worth seeing for how terrible it is just to see how far that director fell. But you know he's kind of found his footing a little bit uh, since then, and like I said, maybe like leaned into like okay, like I'm just I'm done this kind of director now. I'm not going to be winning Oscars and shit. Um. I, I wish he maybe have leaned into that a little bit more with this, or I don't know. Like he just, I guess, wasn't the guy to bring this story to the screen. So it just doesn't quite work for me. 
I thought uh, Split was pretty good. Oh, yeah, that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that one. Um, you know, the Unbreakable I thought was kind of cool. It was interesting. Oh, I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sixth Sense um, was okay. You know, that was like something I thought was pretty cool. It was little, kind of an iconic film at this point to, for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, you know what movie I really liked until the and they the ending just blew it for me was The Village. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I believe people booed at the end. I saw it. I'm like, you had such a... I mean, I get it. You know, they're trying to like throw in some curve but that curve was like a little too much for me i thought like it had a really interesting very um yeah the plot was cool like it was a cool idea but then the way that they resolved it i thought was like ridiculous in my opinion absolutely i mean one twist there's two twists in that movie one you see coming from a mile away and the other just like had the audience completely groaning and rolling their eyes like are you fucking kidding me yeah um you know what I, I like a lot? Again, like, same thing until the end was, was Signs. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Signs. Signs, I, yeah, that's, that's, and that became kind of my, my expectation with his movies was that they might start good and then they end bad. Yeah, and uh, missed opportunity to have you, you, Mel Gibson <laughs> yelling at people. Huh. <laughs> um, I kid, I kid. Uh, I like that movie a lot until the end where it kind of reveals itself to be this overtly pro-faith movie and that really annoyed me. Yeah, actually this film has a a bit of a that a bit of a pro-faith vibe at the end or like a pro um you know, I read the whole Casey and the Sunshine Band thing on the radio being like the the dead father uh saying, "Oh, it's okay, guys. I'm out here in heaven," you know, or something like that, you know. Oh. Wow, that's I did not even fucking I didn't think of that at all. That's interesting. I just thought it was like uh, on the radio again, uh, uh, like a cute. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I, I, it doesn't make me hate it any less, but it actually <laughs> probably makes me hate it even more. <laughs> yeah, you know that. That's how I read it. Like it was some kind of like heads up, guys, cheer up. You know, it's not that bad. Yeah. I'm out here in the afterlife enjoying myself. Yeah, thousands of people are dead. It's kind of our fault. Uh, no worries though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about all that. Oops. My bad. Um, my bad. <laughs> whoopsies. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, a moment like that too, uh, between the two people who deeply love each other, one of them has to die. That should be a huge moment, a huge scene, set piece, something. It's kind of like a minute of the movie and then cuts away to like the sound of a gunshot. I mean, um, it, it might have even been cooler, like if it was, if the film. I mean, now we're going back to changing the novel too. If it was almost like this kind of like, the three of them and one person, and one someone has to die, in order to save the the world. Like the 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 fourth person could be like, they could rock some like Seven Seal shit. You know what I mean? Where this dude right. shows up and like, all right, this is what we got here, guys, and then he convinces one of them to kill to sacrifice someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to yeah, like yeah. this corny ass thing where it's like, okay, well, we're going to kill each other until you guys decide to sacrifice one of you. And like I said, you're going to lose all the time. I'm never going to take some stranger over my own family, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless it's an annoying kid. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, um, you know, you're justified yeah, that the, way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and 
one character sort of is still at the end, like holding out that this is all bullshit, even though like we've seen them see planes fall out of the sky and, you know, it, it becomes really obvious that like, you know, okay, this is very real. And, uh, I don't know. They, like, the, the moment between them is, it's just, I don't know. It just didn't quite, uh, it didn't have as much weight as, as it should have. Like, I don't know, maybe like a, a one one shot, one take with the two of them kind of talk, like, you know, kind of, so what do we do? You know, do we, just, uh, you know, travel the scorched earth together? I, I I don't know. Like, just nothing in this movie, like, landed as it, as as much as I they think it did. Like, even like, like you said, the deaths of the horsemen, they're goofy. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, like the like you know, uh, one guy falls and he has like two like of those makeshift like they look like shovels or something in his head. Like, um, I didn't even know this was rated R until it started dropping like f bombs. Like it could have been to me. It felt very PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I I didn't realize what the rating was on it either. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean. Maybe in, in in different hands, this could have could have been something. But as it is, uh, be be hard to, to to recommend this. If you're going to give it a final grade, what would you give it? I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, I didn't like it particularly. Um, but then again, I, I wasn't wild about the book either. Like I, the book was cool, but it wasn't. It's not like my favorite of Tremblay's work. Sure. And. Uh, but I can imagine people enjoying this film, so that's why I'm not going to completely lacerate it, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not awful. Um, but I'm going to go two and a half, just because three is my lowest for a recommendation, and I just, you know, I, w- I can't imagine myself telling anyone, you should see this. Um, yeah. Like, the three for me is like, I didn't like it, but for you, this might be a good movie. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, I, I do that with people sometimes. Like, it's like, well, I didn't like it, but you might like it, you know? Yeah. Um, my girlfriend certainly liked it uh, more than I did. Yeah. Uh, she also pointed out, actually, I don't even know if this is worth uh, mentioning, seven knocks at the cabin door. Um, do you think there's any sort of biblical significance to that? Seven knocks seven. at the cabin. Well, yeah, seven... when they knock... They knock Wait, uh, seven times. That's was that counted out in the in the in the uh, in in the movie? Did, was that clear that it was seven knocks? No, she counted it. She noticed it. Huh. Uh, if you're listening and <laughs> and you you have, have an idea if that's uh, significant, let us know. Yeah, someone call in and let us know about that. You know, um, I missed an, it completely. Uh, wow. I don't know. Like, I mean, the number, I mean, as far as like, um, just like occult stuff, I mean, you know, all these, the first, you know, the seven is, is, uh, I think the, the tree of life or whatever has like seven that, that let's say, let's say this, is, I, I'm, I'm going to say that it doesn't have any, any connection to it, but you know, Heather, there's that symbol that you see that has like the, the higher, like, you know, it's, it's like these seven, it's like a seven pointed star. Mm. And it's like this is like the um, the connection between the lower and the upper world and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with the seven knocks, though. Honestly, okay. Um, also, 
pointing out that there uh, there's a flash of light during the first uh, four horsemen uh, sacrifice. There's a figure in that light, oh. which is referenced later in the movie, but I didn't catch it while watching. Huh. There's like, oh, there's someone in there. Like, uh, that's uh, when when the uh, the dad, I think Eric says, I saw something in the light. Um, I guess it is actually there is was something there because uh, like she caught that. In Jesus Christ was in there. Maybe, maybe it was maybe it was that. You know what? If M Night Shyamalan was really clever, that would have been his cameo. <laughs> White guy, beard, long hair, swimmer, swimmer's build, <laughs> swimmer's physique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, you know, like, we, like I, I, you know, like you said, M. Night Shyamalan, it's not going to get me to the theater, but, uh, you know, his name, I'll watch. I'll watch it. I, I think he's he's got some, some a, a great one left in him. I know he does. He just hasn't quite made it yet. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I get, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So there you got it, man. That's uh that's um knock at the cabin <laughs> and uh... yeah, not cabin in the woods. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, I'm curious to what uh, other people think about this one because uh, from what I'm seeing, it seems like people really liked it and uh, you and I just, you know, didn't, didn't quite care for it. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And, uh, you know, keep, keep in touch, man. Give us a shout and uh, we'll talk and make some recommendations. And like I said, we may or may not follow your direction, but we'll, there'll be, we'll consider everything that's presented to us on the voicemail. Absolutely. Hey, hey, hey.